been asked this time to speak about Christian living. This series on Christian living in a complex, dynamic world. And for four weeks, we shall wrestle with these subjects in general, but we shall zero in on several key elements and components of it that uh, have challenges that raise dust and heat when they are discussed um, within our Christian community and some of the issues that confound Christian men and women and families. For your benefit, this subject does not belong to the foundational theological subjects of Christianity where there are hard and fast rules that cannot change. Um, it belongs mostly to that realm of Christian living where matters and subjects can be viewed from different perspectives that are correct, even when they are not identical. It can be diverse cultures from one country to another, uh, where Christians are at peace and comfortable to live in certain ways that in another culture will seem very strange. And they are all going to heaven uh, very happily. Some maybe will be ushers, others might be elders, it doesn't matter, they will be in heaven. Uh, it can be diverse perspectives at different seasons and times within even a nation and community cultures so that uh, what was glorious sometime might be scorned uh, at another time. Uh, those who are a little older, I don't know how old Jonathan is, will recall a time when it was very fashionable for men to keep long hair and then separate it so that you have a line where you can see the scalp. It was called lorry. Huh? And some Christians thought that was from hell. They couldn't understand how a Christian man would do a lorry. God must be getting very angry and a stomachache when he sees <laughs> that. Now in different times, now sometimes they keep no hair whatsoever. No lorry, nothing. And they are, they are still okay. You know the story of the trousers. Some revival brethren thought if you are wearing a trouser that was a bit wide at some point, that was sin. The pipes. And they have a tendency to always engage and embrace what others have left. So when they move to the wider ones, then the pipes are okay. And there is so much controversy around the church and in Christian living, a lot of the things that we dispute over are okay either way. And that disclaimer is to set you at ease. You'll be at complete liberty to disagree with me completely on some of the things I say, and you are okay. You and I will be in heaven. <laughs> if you don't get there, and I don't, it will not be because mostly of the things that I said here. <laughs> Do you love Jesus? Are you going to heaven? There are some fundamental ones. These are not. 
The choices that we make, though, have consequences. And some people have been through very grievous times because of choices they made as Christians, which were not life or death, which were not separating them from heaven-bound people and others who are earth-focused. They were going to heaven anyway, but they made choices which were completely free and legitimate, and the choices brought them great grief. My best illustration for the spirit of this series is captured by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 to 16. But very specifically, verse 12. In this passage, Paul is trying to address the controversial subject in the first century Christianity where some people came to faith and most people are coming to faith for the first time. There wasn't second and third generation Christians as we have today. Most of them were first generation. So a man gets saved and his wife hasn't. And she doesn't even like the church. A woman gets saved and her husband has very different views. It was generally agreed that if a couple was discordant in that manner, and particularly if the offended party wanted to walk away, to preserve the faith of the converts and make life easier, they could separate and divorce and free each other to live. And so in that context, Paul, in 1 Corinthians 7, where he talks about these things, in verse 12, addresses them and says to the rest of you, I say this, and then he brackets it and says, I, not the Lord. I don't know what you make of this forceful, intelligent, bold preacher and teacher who has very strong views to say about most Christian subjects, getting to a point where he says there are matters where he'll give opinions which are not binding because it is not the Lord speaking. I wish many of our pastors had the humility to separate when it is they speaking and when God is speaking. Because sometimes Christians get caught up with uh, uh, guilt because they've been told things that uh, may not be very sound. I met a bishop this week and he told me that uh, he was asked for an appointment by a woman who came with her two sons and he was very happy to meet her. He had seen her before, but she was a Mokorino woman with a turban and she came and said, uh, Bishop, I have a word for, the, for you from the Lord. And he was very glad to hear what the Lord is saying. It's mostly women who get these very <laughs> powerful words from the Lord, and if the bishop doesn't get to hear it, she might fall sick. Uh, the word was, God had chosen their church. Bishop, God has chosen your church. But you have two sins that are giving God a hard time when he thinks about you. Number one, you bring dead people to the church. And you ordain women. You have women preachers. That God doesn't like that. So I, I, my, I am unburdened now. I have told you. 
uh, now I have peace. You must find how to obey the word of the Lord. Is that God speaking? Or our sister? God has no problem with women preachers, isn't it? For in Christ now, Galatians, there is neither Jew, nor Greek, nor male, nor female, nor slave, nor free, but all are in Christ. God stopped in Christ looking at us in those categories. Those categories are still stuck in some people's minds. But in terms of opinion, it, it's fine. Again, in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, what does Paul say? Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. He's grappling with this reality that there are very many things Christians are allowed, and you cannot tell them you cannot do this, you cannot do the other. You are completely in your freedom to choose. But he says, some of the things that are allowed are not beneficial and others are not constructive. And you can see a Christian thinker engaging that realm of life choices which do not imperil one's fundamental faith in Christ and their journey to heaven, but which can affect the fellowship and pushing the responsibility to individuals so that as you figure out how to live as a Christian, you realize that you have a space where you enjoy freedom and your choices are legitimate and valid except for their implications for your life and the church. And in 1 Corinthians 10, he's basically saying you can pay a price of inconvenience as a Christian even when it is completely okay for you to make certain choices for you not to, so that you don't stumble fellow Christians, and so that you may allow God a chance to produce redemptive outcomes in our complex challenges that we face. You can actually choose to forego certain rights so that you don't hurt the sensibilities of Christians. So for the next few weeks, we shall explore ways of dealing with some of these issues uh, of life for the Christian which can be looked at from multiple perspectives that are not mutually exclusive. And we hope that some greater insight will come into our lives as we grapple with what it means to be a Christian in our day within the cultural context in which we operate. Some people like to have an idea when they are serious what will be covered. Sometimes when they know, they can decide when an uncomfortable subject is being preached on, they will go and see their cousin. <laughs> but sometimes they are highly motivated to listen through and get the whole picture. We shall look at Christian heritage in the co context of the surrounding cultures. What is the Christian heritage that we bring to the cultures around us? One of the other subtopics we shall look at is the bonds the covenants and the chains from our communities, cultures, and why we should break some of them. Now, evangelical Christians sometimes are not sure 
that Satan has as much influence as he actually has. And they find the ultra Pentecostals excessive, who see people everywhere and then and yet for most of us, because we are outcomes of generational processes going back hundreds of years, there are certain situations in our lives that sometimes are rooted in those backgrounds. In some cases, covenants were made by patriarchs for their families that were binding, that invited Satan to have a field day in some families. Remember the Bible says, don't give Satan a foothold. Some families, Satan doesn't just have a foothold, he has a walkway. <laughs> and if you become a Christian, and there are things in your background that may be chaining you down, there may be sense in you confronting them. And invoking the word of God in the promises that the Lord gives. So that those who are free in Christ are free indeed. And you can embrace that freedom. Now it's possible to choose to remain caught up. But it's also easy to try and break away. Now when you are a Christian, you not only have a chance to revisit some of those cultural hang-ups that are clinging on you, but you actually have a chance to invite Jesus and the Lord in your family and change the trajectory of your family in Christ and create a new heritage for them so that you are the reference point. And they can say that since Wanjiko became a Christian, Life changed in our family. But sometimes it requires that you actually carry out a transaction with the Lord. <laughs> then, how do you know and follow God's will? We shall talk about Christian and athlete, the Christian and earthly possessions and wealth. Issues to do with work and provisions for family, resource, stewardship and wealth, growth, debt as a consumer or investment tool. And I will not isolate them and deal with them per Sunday. As you can see, the Sundays are fewer than the sub-themes I want to look at. But I will know how to weave them into a recipe and a package that uh, you can enjoy. No, that you can go through. <laughs> Enjoying is for the theater. You know we don't preach to entertain. Today we look at... Uh, Christian heritage, fundamentally. And in a brief way, I want to say this is a wide subject and highly controversial. I want to look at some of the meanings I attach to the words that we use in this series. Beginning with who is a Christian? Richard Naibu, a German writer who has written a pivotal book called Christ and Culture, which I think every Christian grappling with this should read, defines a Christian ordinarily as one who believes in Jesus Christ as or is a follower of Jesus Christ, who might adequately be described as one who counts himself as belonging to the community of men 
who have decided Jesus is a principal priority in their lives. What he teaches, how he lived, the things he did, the destiny he projected are of supreme importance to them. And they draw from Christ the source of their knowledge about God and about the world and about themselves and about their mission. You can see that is quite an intense engagement. And in most of our churches, we have men and women. They are Christians, but they haven't embraced that intense engagement. They enjoy hanging around the people of God who are called Christians when they are struggling themselves and journeying. The word culture, according to Naibu, is even more complex. Because for him, culture is the total activity of human beings and its outcomes. Culture is the artificial secondary environment which man superimposes on the natural. In the natural, there are things that we know. But over the centuries, men and human beings, if you like, have wrestled with nature to tame it so that it fits in with their desires and produces outcomes that are desirable for them. For example, a river is natural. It has its own course. And water tends to look for the lowest point. So it finds its way there. If you want to know the contours and you pour water somewhere, the contours come out on their own without you needing to help. But human beings sometimes have found the river is making a mistake. The place where it is passing is different from where they need the water. Then they make a canal to channel the water where they can use it better. Now that is culture. It's no longer natural because they have interfered with nature to tame it. This is what we find in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. Uh, you remember the creation story. God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This command is from the Lord. Subdue the earth. Uh, we don't find it comfortable obeying this command in its literal application. Like this thing about filling the earth and subduing it, people want to interpret it in myriad ways. I mean, the Lord is saying, have babies. <laughs> Many babies. <laughs> Not one or two. As most Christians like. That is not in the Bible. What is in the Bible is, feel this so incensed what the Catholic bishop called Archbishop Moheria. There was a, there's a clip circulating uh, where he's challenging Catholics to have babies. Says Mumueko Bari Disana na Watu. Pateni watoto, dio una kuana nafasi, akuana wako, na akupatia mungu. Sema mama yake alikuwa na nane. Moja ni brother, ye ni priest na archbishop. Anasema sasa kama uko na wawili tu, utapatia mungu nani? Kama ni wawili. Then he even says sometimes they die. And I'm adding, sometimes they die when 
Siraha zimerudishwa kwa kwa store and sometimes you find a very grieving family. They have only one child and one child has died when the mother can no longer have babies. And the grief is beyond that a baby has died. The grief is sasa tutakaa bila. Fill the earth and subdue it. For those who are candidates, ask what God is telling you. For those who are the other side, pray for grandchildren. That's what I do myself. <laughs> Naibu says culture is very pervasive. It includes languages, habits, ideas, beliefs, customs, social organizations, um, technical processes, and values. Because it is so pervasive and extensive, you may not be able to break away from culture. We operate our lives in the context of culture. And he says that in leading your normal life, you are involved in culture. Producing a baby biologically is natural. The average man, especially when he is younger, wanajisikia wakona mwito wa kuongeza watu na watu ambao sio bibi zao that is biological to have a baby in the context of marriage and a family and to be a father is cultural to commit to 20 25 years of nurture of that child to turn out of them something of value that is culture so a biological man is natural A husband and a father is cultural. To be a wife is cultural. Just to be a woman who has biological functions is nature. To be a brother or a sister is cultural. We ascribe to these functions uh, value culturally. As we look at Christian heritage and living, it is in this cultural context that we examine it and its implications for our lives. And when we talk about Christian heritage, we have a lot to celebrate. God has been kind to us, and the Christians in this country, as far as I'm concerned, have done a terrific job. Now, they are bashed many times. They are said to be failing in many ways, and there are many ways they are failing, but maybe there are more ways in which they are not failing than the ways they are failing. For example, is there anybody here who was born in a mission hospital? Supposing there is, if, just stand quickly. If you are born in a mission hospital, Kikuyu Hospital, Tomotomo Hospital, Kejabi Hospital, Mata, just stand. Just stand, if you are born in one. You are all born at home like me. <laughs> Anybody who went to a mission school, Gandu, Tomotomo, Alliance, Loreto Lemuru, Loreto Kiambu, Loreto Matungu, just stand, just stand. Why are you refusing to stand? I'm not going to ask you to do anything strange. I just want us to see. Now, if you went to a mission school or a mission college or a mission university, 
that is established by Christians, they were intentionally trying to create a cultural environment with a Christian heritage where you can be prepared and equipped to be what you are. Is that failure? You may be seated. And so you ask, in our regular cultural roles, what does it mean to be a Christian? And a Christian father. A Christian brother, a Christian wife, a Christian husband, a Christian citizen, a Christian who worships in a church, a Christian engaged in economic activity, who is a worker, who is an employer, who is an investor, who is a professional, who is a leader, as a Christian. Now, these roles are being played by people who are nominal Christians, that don't attach much value. They are being played by people who are not even Christians. They come from other faiths. They are even being fulfilled by atheists and skeptics who bring totally humanistic views and values into the considerations around these subjects. But if you are a Christian, you must recognize that each of these roles is an arena where you can demonstrate your faith and use it as your Christian witness to biblical values and principles regarding that matter. So a Christian father is trying to do more than a typical cultural father. You're trying to raise godly offsprings who will be Christians in your time and your generation and who will be God's agent in Christianization and socialization of future generations into the church because you raised them. So you cannot be casual in a Christian mother. If you are a Christian worker, you have been employed to do a job somewhere. You can't just work like every other worker, trying to get away with the minimum amount of work possible for the highest amount of pay that can be achieved and with as many absent absences as can be possible. The Christian worker will be trying to do more than is minimally required so that the employer can actually look at them and say, this one is different from the others and can ask you, what is the difference? And you are saying, I love Jesus. And the employer gets to know Jesus loves us, also love work, and they are faithful. Now the Bible boldly invites us and directs us, directs that we make a response as Christians to the cultural and civilization assumptions and values around us and the practices. Sometimes the Bible demands that you create a disconnection between the cultural tenets around you and civilization and you stand out as a Christian who is different. Jesus speaking about this in Luke chapter 21 verse 34 says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness and the anxieties of life and that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. It is the individual Christian that must maintain the pilgrim, sojourner and alien perspective in this life as we engage it. 
so that we are not distracted from our eternal hope and expectation and preparation for heaven. Far too many Christians live as though we shall be here forever. Far too many Christians live as though we are not going to heaven. Far too many Christians live as though it doesn't matter how we live, uh, we shall get there anyway. But Jesus says, be careful. Be careful. 1 John 2.15 Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. John is categorical that the culture and civilization around us in all the subtle ways they attract us are competing in us with our love for the Father. And every time you adopt what life throws at you, without thinking or checking, if it is contrary to the teaching of Christ, it is weakening your faith and your love for God. So a thorough knowledge of scripture and deep study of Christian disciplines is critical for of us so that you are enabled to understand the demands of your faith so that as you face cultural issues every day, you have a reference and you can refer to the tenets you have learned from scripture. Paul calls it a complete overhaul of our thinking, an outlook to life where our first instinct is driven towards the obedience to the will of God. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, which I ask that we say by rote, because most of you know it, just say it. What does it say? Are people looking? <laughs> I didn't want you to look because you are too smart. The others were not as smart. <laughs> Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Many Christians like to hang around where there is a prefect. And there are many Christians who like to be prefects around others. Do this, do that. Don't do this, don't do that. This is acceptable, that is not acceptable. And there is a way in which we must do that. But God's aim for you and for me is that your mind is so transformed and renewed that on a normal day, when you confront situations, you do not even have to think a lot. You can tell what is God's will and what is not, what is pleasing to him and what is not. It appears like too many Christians remain infantile Christians whose level of mental transformation has a gap. Now, when you see them walking, you can't tell whether they are mature or not. Usually you can tell when they talk and the kind of questions they ask. Full of the Holy Spirit, you find someone asking, is it okay to kiss your girlfriend or boyfriend before you are married? You have already made up your mind to marry each other and go to heaven as a couple. But you haven't married. Is it wrong? Is it wrong? 
it? Is it wrong? Maybe it is wrong. Maybe it is not. People who kiss their girlfriends generally will go to heaven. People who kiss their boyfriends are not likely to go to hell on that account. Even when they get accidents, as frequently happens without kissing nonsense. God is a God of second chances and forgives and forgets and gives them another chance. But wanaenda kwa stima, wanachukua waya stima, wanachukua kisu, wanakata guniko. Ya waya ya stima wacheze na live wire. Sasa wakichomeka watauliza nani? Their transformation hasn't got to the level where they say my body is holy. The Holy Spirit lives in my body. There are things I can do with it. There are things I cannot do with it. There are things I can put in. There are things I cannot put in. Is it okay to drink a beer or take a wine, red or green or blue? Who God have a problem? Didn't even Jesus make wine? He did. You will not go to hell because you took a beer or a glass of wine after dinner. God can handle that. It is true, Jesus made wine. Even Paul said for fellows who have troublesome stomachs, sometimes if, if, if you take a little regularly, you'll be okay. But even though it will not take you to hell, is that a conversation you want to engage the church in? The havoc that beer is causing in families who you know, is that a havoc you want to play with? This thing of bribes, the policeman stops you and you are over speeding. Or you are overtaking in a, in a row of vehicles. And he's just asking for a hundred shillings. And you are asking, which is better? To give the policeman a hundred shillings and be done with it? Or to be stiff and say, I'm saved and going to heaven and in my church we don't bribe? So that you are in court for five mornings for the next six months. Doesn't even God want you to have better use of time? <laughs> Rationalizations. A few are caught up in difficult situations. Your boss wants to sleep with you. There is a pay rise and a promotion that are possible if you accede to his requests. You may even be fired. Nobody will know. You just, small thing, just once. He pleases himself. And then problems are off my way, he'll begin looking for the younger women. Is that, is that simple? Is it small? <laughs> is it small? 
Kikuyu men are in a lot of trouble. They have been told, Kikuyu men, Kikuyu men, you know, there is a folly that we are seeing in Kikuyu men that you don't see in many other communities. Christian men who are born again, some of them spirit-filled, totally born again, are being asked by some wazes who don't even have teeth to bring a goat which should be slaughtered so that some ceremony may be carried out. Then they would be real men. And they are going and giving the goat. Slaughtered. Facing Mount Kenya. With some pronouncements. Then on Sunday they are in church. Wearing a tie even and looking very smart and collecting offertory. And in the afternoon they have a misa. Ya kienyeji mahali. Buzingine inatolewa. Na watahama harakawa yende huko. But the blood of Jesus is not enough. Tamu ya Yesu, hakuna kitu ilibakisha. Hizo mbuzi zilitolewa tangu agu na agu mpaka injili ikuje. Hasi kutufikisha mahali. Na hasi kutupeleka kwa wokovu. That is called syncretism. Mixing different elements of different religions and thinking that you are okay. If the blood of Jesus is not enough for you, you will have much trouble. And just in case you want to sit on the Kikuyu men, I can tell you a few of the problems in the other cultures. Kuna wakina hapo sita taja, buwana anakuwa king. Mabibi wanakaliwa hawawezi kuongea. Sababu buwana ye buwana. You know, when you're a Christian, you lose all the prerogatives that are assigned by your tribe on the basis of tribal thinking. Your new thinking comes from the Bible. That is the one that is eternal. That's what the Lord has told us. We must zero down to what does the Bible say we do in fulfillment of our roles. There's a time I was actually invited to parliament in my other life to address a parliamentary committee on Mira. <laughs> parliament was trying to pass a law to regularize Mira growing and Mira use and make it a dignified trade which is not stigmatized as a drug. And there are people who grow tobacco. Nasema mimi sikulangi hiyo. Nikukuza tu. Hata nisipokuza, sikuna watu ambao wataikuza. Iko hajagani. Watu wengine wapate pesa, mimi nikose. <laughs> Ninaenda binguni na situmi. Hata kuna wachugaji wanakuza. Hata kuna makanisa kalaa meru ambao wako na kashamba ya miraa. There are even Christians who gamble. If I hit the jackpot, I will make a tithe, a tithe of the proceeds, and I will give a thank offering. Nitakuwa nimepika mtaro ya umaskini, na nimesaidia kanisa kusonga bele kwa zababu hiyo tithe. 
itasaidia. Many Christian men don't know how to handle the weddings of their sons and their daughters. Unakuja unaambiwa sasa hapa mtoto ni wa jamii, mwanane wa nyumba. Wewe kama baba ya mtoto uketi usikize vile wazee watasema na waitishe vile zile vitu watataka kuitisha zile ziliitishwa mama yao na shojo yao akiolewa there are christian men pastor who are actually carrying muratina traditional beer to the negotiations for their daughters weddings their sons weddings they are told we cannot talk if beer is not here in anyanja Nasema ate kwa sababu wazee wamesema sasa mimi nitasema nini? Wazee wakazae muzichana wakuolewa na hiyo taratibu za kienyeji. Wewe ulizaa mtoto mukristo. Wakupelekwa na mbinu na njia za ukristo. My daughters are married. They come. You can't come to address people in my gathering around my daughter's wedding if i don't know what you will say kama siju utasema nini ukimie usikize i'm an ashamed christian i'm trying to raise a christian generation how do i allow you to come and defile my home and my children that i'm blessing for the hundred and the thousandth generation how akupokea baraka kutoka kwa ukikuyu ni gani hiyo watapewa baraka ya Yesu kweli ni kidogo ndio waletewe ya wazee nuko na mchezo watu wanacheza ambao ni mbaya <laughs> a transformed mind has a clear christian perspective you may ask questions but you ask questions when you have an inkling of what is the answer and it can be expensive to adopt the christian outlook towards life it is reported in hebrews the hall of fame chapter 11 verse 24 by faith 11:24 by faith moses when he had grown up refused to be known as pharaoh's daughter he chose to be mistreated along with god's people rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time you know most of us don't know what it is to be in a palace that's where moses grew They don't know what it is to be assigned to a princess you are the daughter of a princess and all the trappings that come with it Moses looks at it and says I know I am a Jew I have these huge benefits by association but I think I'm better off joining my people we suffer together for a time then when God rescues us we shall all be rescued adopting a truly christian view and practice can be costly we don't have a choice around it fortunately there is a huge reward for it if we can make that choice in this life and in eternity i think that for people who make up their minds to be christian and adopt the christian world view part of the benefits they get is a clear harmony in their lives peace of mind with numerous benefits 
When we talk about Christian heritage, we seek to establish how Christian influence can be brought to bear on all these elements of cultural life around us. In our language, in our habits, in our ideas, in our beliefs, in our social organizations, in our technical processes, and in our values. The cultural environment is a raw material. All of us can choose what we want to do with it. Now, in the next few weeks, these are the things we shall be discussing. I'm praying for you. Please pray for me. That the Lord gives me understanding and helps me to say what he is saying. And hopefully, together, we can take greater pride in being children of God. And we can be bolder in allowing the influence of Christ to permeate through us to all the echelons of life where we have a chance to impact. The kingdom of God will expand. When, like in the first century, people can say, these are Christians. We can see it from the way they live. I commend these thoughts to you in the name of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit and hope to see you next Sunday.